Welcome to the Grace Baptist Church Podcast for Sunday, August 14th, 2022. Today's sermon is from Hebrews chapter 9, verses 6 to 28. If you'd like to follow along, please go to gracebaptistchurchnc.org. Click the current sermons link at the top and click today's manuscript. Welcome to Grace Baptist Church. As you're turning there, before I pray in, in a moment, uh, just want to encourage you. Um, this, this week we had a, a, a prayer time at our house and um, just want to let you know that uh, we had a good time of prayer and we prayed for, for all of you and, and for us. And so look forward in the coming days as God gives, he's given us another one today, that look forward to God answering our prayers and how we pray, um, how we pray for one another and what we want to see God do here at Grace. And so... God is good, and He's good in sending us His Son. Before we even I begin today and before I pray, I mean before I start into the sermon and, and read chapter 9, I want to just go ahead and pray and ask the Lord to take our time and use it as He sees fit. Heavenly Father, thank You for Your Word that is before us right now. Quite a bit, actually, in the book of Hebrews and the entire Bible, but even in chapter 9. But Father, we are so grateful for it. And Father, today we need what you have in these words for us. Even as Scott has prayed, we pray that for Christians who are here, that we would be encouraged, that we would be, be convicted, that your word would accomplish what you desire and that we would we would grow your will is our sanctification which is godliness being set apart father we are in this process all the way we are justified now there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ but we are sanctified and being sanctified on the road to heaven I pray that you would work in your word today in that way and I I pray that if someone is is not a Christian that today they would hear Give them ears to hear and eyes to see. And turn to Christ and be saved. I pray that Jesus would increase. Please, I pray he would increase in my life, in our lives, that we would decrease. In spite of me, I I pray that you would work. I pray that you would give us great help this morning as we consider Hebrews 9 and the great sacrifice of our great high priest, the Lord Jesus Christ. For it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Today I'm going to read verses 6 all the way to the end of the chapter. And no, I will not get to all of it. Um, it, it there is a lot there. So we will at least go one more week in chapter 9. That's my plan. So I've got really four main truths, and I'll come back to that in a moment. But the name of the, of the sermon is... The most beautiful offering. The most beautiful offering. And as we've seen, the author of Hebrews has one main, really one main argument in his letter to those Hebrew Christians at that time. And that is that Jesus is the fulfillment of all of the Old Testament promises of God. He is the fulfillment of all of them. And particularly, Mosaic Law, under that old covenant, has come to an end as Jesus has ushered in a new covenant 
by his death and resurrection. And I think as Israel looked forward to their Messiah, thinking back to their time, before the time of Christ, they did look forward to a Messiah, and they're still looking forward to a Messiah. But they looked forward to him, and they knew that he would be a prophet. They knew that he would be a king, but I think they they didn't know that he would be a priest as well. And we've talked a lot about that, because Jesus did not find his lineage from the line of Levi, but instead from the line of Judah. And that is why the author spends so much time on Melchizedek, this different order, this different class. Jesus' priesthood is different than the earthly priesthood. And the, un- <clears throat> the most unusual yet beautiful part of Jesus' priesthood is not that just he is the priest. It is that as the priest, what did he do? He offered Not the blood of bulls and goats. He offered himself. And that's why we sing today. That's why we sing such songs and we praise the Lord. And we praise the Lord Jesus Christ because he offered himself. And so today I want us to see this offering. And again, I have four truths. I'm going to give you the four truths, but we're going to hit two of them today. Here they are. First one, I want us to see the excellency of his sacrifice, that Christ's sacrifice of himself, what is different about his sacrifice than those of the blood blood of bulls and goats? Number two, the reach of his sacrifice. My arms don't reach very far right here, but the arms of God reach all the way down. <laughs> and, but the sacrifice of Christ reaches all the way up into the heavens itself. And so that's where we'll be today. And then finally, next week, we'll look at the sufficiency of his sacrifice. In other words, it was a one-time event, and that one-time event was, was sufficient. And finally, the effect of his sacrifice. We'll spend a good bit of time there on how he obtained eternal redemption. And also, his sacrifice does something with our conscience that under the old covenant it could not happen. So we'll be there next week. So with that in mind, let's begin. Let me read chapter 9. Starting in verse 6, and let's think about this, this great sacrifice. Chapter 9, verse 6. <clears throat> These preparations having thus been made, he's in the context of the tabernacle and the priests. The priests go regularly into the first section, performing their ritual duties. But into the second only the high priest goes, <clears throat> and he, but once a year, And not without taking blood, which he offers for himself and for the unintentional sins of the people. Which we'll we'll really talk about that next week. By this, the Holy Spirit indicates that the way into the holy places is not yet opened as long as the first section is still remaining. In other words, as long as that tabernacle and that, that covenant was still in place... And it wasn't time yet for the new, okay? So they still had to be here on the earth doing the things on the earth. Excuse me. He says, which is symbolic for this present, present age. According to this arrangement, gifts and sacrifices are offered that cannot perfect the conscience of the worshiper, but deal only with food and drink and various washings, regulations for the body, imposed until the time of reformation. 
And then verse 11. But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, he entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer sanctify for the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Therefore, He is the mediator of a new covenant, so that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance. Since a death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant, for where a will is involved, the death of the one who made it must be established. For a will takes effect only at death, since it is not in force as long as the one who made it is alive. Therefore, not even the first covenant was inaugurated without blood. For when every commandment of the law had been declared by Moses to all the people, he took the blood of calves and goats, with water and scarlet wool and hyssop, sprinkled both the book itself and all the people, saying, This is the blood of the covenant that God commanded for you. And in the same way, he sprinkled with the blood both the tent, that's the tabernacle, and all the vessels used in worship, Indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Thus, it was necessary for the copies of the heavenly things to be purified with these rites. But the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. Here's the comparison. For Christ has not entered, excuse me, for Christ has entered not into holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true things, but into, where? Heaven itself. <clears throat> Looked up, I lost my, my place. <clears throat> now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. Nor was it to offer himself repeatedly, as the high priest enters the holy places every year with blood not his own. For then he would have had to suffer repeatedly since the foundations of the world. But as it is, he has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after this comes judgment, so Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. So let's begin. Again, there's a lot in this text, and we're going to get there again next week. But two things today, two main truths from this text today. The first one, when we think about this offering of Christ, we must consider the excellency of his sacrifice. So in our text, the author compares the function of the priests in that tabernacle particularly that of the high priest who went into the Holy of Holies once a year 
on the day of on the day of atonement. So he's comparing that function, the tabernacle, and the function of the priest with with Christ and what He has done and entered into heaven. So let me ask, what does the high priest, you think back to that time, what did the high priest bring into the tabernacle and into the, particularly into the Holy of Holies, what did he bring on that day? Well, he certainly brings himself. And by the way, he, he didn't wear what he normally wore for the other functions. He would take off the the, 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 these more royal bits of clothing that he had, and he would put on just a simple white linen cloth that would cover his body. And he would put on a turban, so he'd bring that with him. He would bring burning incense, into the, which was just a picture of God accepting the sacrifice, and he would bring that in. But what else would he bring? What would I be missing? What is the main thing? What would be the main ingredient? Blood. He brings the blood of a bull, of a goat, and a lamb. If you go back and read Leviticus 16, I'm not going to give all the details for today. But he would bring those in. These animals were killed. They were offered as a sacrifice. And then he would sprinkle the blood upon the mercy seat there in the Holy of Holies. Look at verse 7, chapter 9. But into the second only the high priest goes, and he but once a year, and not without taking blood, which he offers for himself and for the unintentional sins of the people. Now, if we think about those animals for a moment, these animals were very special they were selected and they were kept for this purpose. And the lamb was the most precious of them all. It was young. It was spotless. It was without blemish. It had nothing wrong with it. I mean, in a manner of speaking. If it did have something wrong with it, then they would, they would not use that lamb as a sacrifice. They would find one that, that fit this spotless lamb. And what happened? Well, God, he, he accepted those sacrifices under that system as the people came and they were obedient to follow his commands. And by faith, they knew that this was a picture, that they deserved death and they deserved to be on that altar. And so, of course, we can go into a lot there, but I believe they certainly were looking forward to the time of Christ who would fulfill all of this. The blood of those animals under that old covenant, they could not do what the blood of Christ does. But they did serve their purpose. And in fact, they served the greater purpose. Look at chapter 8 of Hebrews, verse 5. They were copies and shadows of another sacrifice. I love the way the Lord gives us pictures so that we can understand. I, even Chris and I had this conversation this week. How the, the, the words of the Bible are so precise and they're so powerful, but God is still so much greater. He still talks to us as if we are two-year-olds. And this, this is language and there's so much here, but God is so much greater. And so 
these things in that tabernacle, they were copies for us and pictures so that we could look at them and say, wow, they point to something else, which is, we, we would call this typology. This is a type. Those were the, the types pointing to the real, the antitype. Look at verse 11. Here is where he's comparing this with Christ. But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is not of this creation, he entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by the means of his own blood. Now I hope the comparison is obvious to you, that the blood of Christ is far better than the sacrifice of bulls and goats and lambs and heifers. We, I think we see that. After all, it is the blood of a, not of an animal, but of a human being. And not just any human being. It is the blood of the Messiah, the King of Israel, and the King of the entire world that is being offered there. If we could just, thinking about a comparison. The animals offered in the Old Covenant were physically unblemished. But Christ was morally unblemished. He was sinless. A couple verses that we might consider. First Peter chapter 1, verse 18. He says, Knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. Hebrews 4 Verse 15, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without what? Sin. Hebrews 7, 26, for it was indeed fitting that we should have such a high priest, holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. Christ was sinless. The high priest who went in was not. If you'll know, if you, if you remember the, the whole bit of what happened, he would offer the animal there the sins and take them in for himself and for the people after that. Well, Christ did not have to do that because he was sinless. Now, with that in mind, as we compare the, and we think, and we're still under the point of the excellency of Christ's sacrifice, let's go a step further. We must consider the incarnation. And that was the topic of last week's sermon as we took the Lord's Supper together. God took on flesh. He didn't become a man as if God could become a man. He took on flesh. Yes, he was a man, but yes, he was also God. So 100% God and 100% man. Let me ask you. Or before I ask you, let me, let me just point out that this union, 100% God, 100% man, this union, two natures are united into one person. Let me ask you, do you ever just think about that? I, I, to me, it's, this is more 
mysterious than, than, the, than the Trinity, in my, in my estimation. But do you ever meditate on that? Do you ever just think about me? Can you imagine? I mean, especially after last week's sermon and thinking about the, the, what the incarnation accomplished for us. But it is mind-boggling, is it not? If you sit and you think, it just is too much. It's such a mystery. But we know and we believe this is what Scripture teaches. And this is orthodox. But from his conception to his death, we see two natures united into one person. This makes the sacrifice of Christ the greatest sacrifice ever. So it wasn't just, I'm, a moment ago I was just talking about sinlessness. Now I'm going much deeper than just sinlessness. I'm talking about the nature, two natures in one person in Christ. And so we are not comparing apples to apples when we compare the blood of bulls and goats with that of Christ, because there is no canyon, there is no chasm, there is no space large enough or sufficient to even consider such a comparison. We, we cannot do that. And I, I'm, I'm not very good at illustrations in, in many ways. And I'm not that creative and I have a hard time doing that, but we cannot compare. You see, until the death of Christ, these two natures, they, they were joined together. <laughs> and this doesn't mean, you might be thinking in your mind, okay, so then when Christ died on the cross, did God die? Have you ever, I mean, naturally we, we might think like that, but this does not mean that God himself dies in his essence, in the sense that God ceases to exist when Christ was crucified. But it does mean that we can say that the union of these two natures into one person makes this sacrifice the most unique and most mysterious, the most beautiful the most precious, the most excellent sacrifice the universe has ever known. And this truth is what separates this sacrifice from every other sacrifice in the history of the world. And I would argue that our, our, if we've got Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses that, we, that are friends of ours that we speak to, this is where we depart because they do see the sacrifice of Christ as him being a sinless man. But we argue from Scripture that it was even more than that, and it has to do with the union of these two natures. Now, I can't explain it much further than that, brothers and sisters. But, and I, I, would, I would welcome your comments and welcome your thoughts in the coming days because we cannot dwell upon such things of such great beauty and such great worth too often or too much. And, and the Holy Spirit God has given us helps us understand such things. But... Do you see the excellency of this sacrifice? It wasn't just an, an animal. It wasn't just a sinless man. It was God incarnate. And so verse 12 says of chapter 9 that he secured an eternal redemption. And again, we'll be there next week. But by way of application... Let me ask you, is there anything to consider as you think about these words that I've just shared? 
that, you, that, that we could consider that are more worthy or of more value than the excellency of the sacrifice of Christ. And I think that's what the writer of Hebrews is doing. So for those Hebrew Christians, he was warning them, do not go back to that old system of sacrifices. So for us today, he is saying, do not consider any sacrifice, any work of righteousness, any other way to get to God than this one-time sacrifice of the Son of God. And so there's nothing that we can do or sacrifice or achieve, whatever it might be, and get us to God. It must be through this one-time sacrifice of the Lord Jesus, our great high priest. And also, by way of application, we should see in this sacrifice the great wisdom and mind. of I point at my mind. See, I can't even compare that. But we should see the inexpressible majesty, God's infinite wisdom, and His great love towards sinners, that's us, that he would carry out such a plan for those of us who do not deserve such love. And we should know that only God can secure our eternal redemption, and this is through the blood of Christ. One little picture here. Do you remember the story of Abraham? When God came to him, one of the times he spoke to him, and he had just sacrificed or killed a heifer, a female goat, a ram, a turtle dove, and a, and a young pigeon. So he killed all these animals. Abraham did. And then he placed their dead carcasses, I imagine like we are here in two aisles, two parallel lines. And then he went down, and this was a miraculous sleep, but he went down for a sleep. And then he saw a vision. And what did he see in this vision with these animals? Do you remember? He saw a flaming torch going, walking or going through these two lines of these carcasses, these dead animals. So what do you think this was picturing? Well, I think God was saying, Abraham, only I can do what is necessary to cover your sins, among other things. But only I can secure the redemption that is required. You deserve death just like these animals. Brothers and sisters, the Bible says the wages of sin is death. Whether we are young or whether we are old, we have inherited the sin nature of our, our first father, Adam. And we, we deserve to be in between those lines. We deserve exactly what those animals are pointing to. And so today, we worship God for such an offering, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. So that's truth number one this morning, the excellency of this sacrifice. Truth number two is the reach, the reach of this sacrifice. In this passage, we see that the Messiah... The Lord Jesus Christ, he did not enter into an earthly tabernacle, but instead he entered the heavenly tabernacle, which is to say what? Where did he enter? He didn't go into the tent made with hands as they made that tent and everything in it. Where did he enter? He entered heaven, the heavenly tabernacle. And that's another thing that, that, that Hebrews does. The author is giving us this picture again of what Christ did in his sacrifice. 
He entered into the very presence of God. In verses 6 to 10, as we've already read them, we see the limitations of the earthly priests in the earthly tabernacle. Day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, and even the high priest could only go once a year and into the, to that holy of holies, and the people couldn't even go in. It was very limited in what it could do. And their offerings were the things of this earth. And they were limited as they, those sacrifices could not purify the conscience of the people. Again, wait for that for next week. But look at verses 9 and 10. According to this arrangement, that's the earthly tabernacle, gifts and sacrifices are offered that cannot perfect the conscience of the worshiper, but deal only with food and drink, various washings, regulations for the body imposed until the time of, re of reformation. Here the author of Hebrews is comparing the work of those priests and their offerings with the Lord Jesus Christ. Look again at verse 11. Then, through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation. Look also at verse 24. For Christ has entered not into the holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true things, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. Now, it is true, from another perspective, it is, it is also true that the body of Jesus is also considered to be the tabernacle. But here, in this context, the tabernacle is not picturing, picturing the body of Jesus, but instead the heavenly place where God dwells. The blood of bulls and goats could not take one to heaven, nor could those sacrifices save eternally. Why not? Think back to my truth, the reach of this sacrifice. They could only reach there. They could not reach all the way to heaven. So when I think about reaching, I'm, I'm a typical man who, I'm not, Kristen hates boxing, boxers and boxing, but if one boxer has about a 10-inch reach longer than the other boxer, who's usually going to win that? It's going to be the one, there's something to the reach. The length of the arm is so important. I think of, uh, I'm going to bring her up again in a moment, but I think of little Nora, my granddaughter. She wants, and all of my kids as well, we always had a piano somewhere in the house or outside now. They always wanted to reach up to the piano and hit those little keys. But when they were smaller, when they first started walking, they could not reach up and get there until they grew a little bit bigger and then their reach could go that way. I, I think of when I was a child and I could not reach the cherries on the cherry tree. And I love to eat cherries, even though maybe my grandma would always say, you're going to get a stomachache. I don't think I ever got a stomachache. Some of y'all might get stomachaches when y'all eat cherries, but I don't. So what I would do then was I found a way to climb up on top of the roof and then pick cherries. So my arm still wasn't long enough, but I worked around that. But when we think about reach, those animals and those sacrifices... And that, the, that priest, that high priest, and all that he was doing could not reach any further than that tabernacle. And so, in other words, 
their efficiency could only reach to the things of this earth. But it is not so with the sacrifice of Christ. His sacrifice is powerful and it is efficient to enter into heaven itself. And for those whose sins are covered by this sacrifice, they also go to Christ with heaven. So brothers and sisters, this is why if you are in Christ today, the Bible says that already you are seated with him in the heavenly places. This means that if you are a Christian here today, by way of application, if you are a Christian, if you have received the Lord Jesus, if you have believed on him, then now, even as you sit here in these chairs, by faith, you have free and unhindered access to the throne room of God. That's why Hebrews speaks often about going there boldly in time of need. You don't have to go to a priest to confess your sins. You don't have to take your sacrifice to a priest so that they could accept that and, and, and forgive your sins. As a Muslim, you don't have to go to the mullah and confess anything. We don't have to do the month of korban and offer up some type of physical. We don't have to do them anywhere in the world anymore. If you are a Christian, you are in Him now. So, Another application right here in the middle. We must not forget the great motive behind the heavenly reach of Christ's sacrifice. What is the motive? Well, we, we, all, we can go to the mercy. We can sing about His mercy is more. But faith, hope, and love are there. But which one will remain? Love. It is the love of Christ, which is the love of God. So this love is deeper than mercy, and we cannot comprehend it. And this even goes back to our example with Abraham and the flaming torch. God knew that Abraham and those animals couldn't do it. That's why only God can save. Only God can do what is necessary for our salvation. Thus, the incarnation and humiliation of Christ on the cross. For God so loved the world, again, that He gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes there's faith in Him would not die but have everlasting life. A great picture from my own quiet times this week is the picture of the outstretched arms of God. Psalm 136, verse 11 and 12. The psalmist, he is remembering the great love of God through the entire psalm there. And as he delivered them from slavery out of Egypt. Here's what he says. He says, God, you brought Israel out from among them, for your steadfast love endures forever. With a strong hand and an outstretched arm, for his steadfast love endures forever. And I, I'm going to use the illustration here. And I ask permission. I always do that now when I give illustrations about my family. Scott, your family says, please take heed to this advice. And, and so I ask permission. But last week, I was up at, at Emily's with Emily, Nora, and Hunter. And, and it is Emily's custom and Hunter's custom to give her some room time every day. Where she puts on music, and she's close by, but there she does. And she plays in her room, and it teaches her to play and to be content by herself. And, and there she was, peacefully playing for some time. And then after a while, we heard her get a little bit frustrated. Um, 
And then finally she started crying out. And so we went into the room there, and where do you think we found her? We found her in the corner of the room behind the chair between the crib. We don't know how she got in there. And we don't know how she got, was she ever going to get out. Now, I think we figured out, she crawled under the crib. And, but still, she was stuck as a little 15-month-old 15 could ever be. And you know what? Her arms were really short because they couldn't reach up far enough to grab something to hoist herself. Her strength was, was weak as a little 15-month-old. And her arms were way too short to bring herself to safety. Well, this is a good picture, brothers and sisters. God's arms are outstretched because I think even in the picture I just gave, Emily went in and what did she do? Stretch her arms out and pulls little Nora from peril. Well, not really any peril, but it's a picture. So our arms are too short. Our sacrifices, our works our ways cannot take us to heaven. And at the end of the outstretched arms of God, what do we find? The most beautiful sacrifice of the Son, who is our great high priest. He delivers us from the hold of Satan. He delivers us from the power of sin. He delivers us from the penalty of sin. And eventually, He will deliver us from the very presence of sin. So, just for a few minutes, if you would, turn with me to Isaiah 53. And I'm going to start closing down this sermon. As we come to Isaiah 53, um, what we see is basically a prophecy of this sacrifice. And what is our truth? We first saw the excellency of this sacrifice. Now we're looking at the reach. It goes all the way to heaven, which by the way, we'll see next week, he will take us there one day, even though we're seated with him now. But listen to these words from Isaiah 53. And it's so interesting, especially right from the beginning. I'm just going to read it. So listen with me. I might Make a few comments here as we read through this. But this is the prophecy of the sacrifice of our Lord. And we consider His great reach. He says, Who has believed what He has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? I'm thinking about His reach. To whom? And it speaks of the Lord Jesus. Prophecy of Him coming. For he grew up before him like a young plant, like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him. He was just like us. No beauty that we should desire him, that is, in his flesh. He was despised and rejected by men. That would be all of us. He was a man of sorrows. Acquainted with grief. Brothers and sisters, our Lord is, was acquainted with grief. No matter what you're going through today, thinking on this sacrifice is helpful. Acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs, 
carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. With his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. Just think about your own sins this week. Have you been impatient? Have you been unkind to someone? Have you been disobedient to your parents? Have you yelled at your spouse? Have you yelled at the driver next to you? Have you been upset with your neighbor? We could go on and on, couldn't we? These are our sins. Have we neglected our quiet times? Have we neglected the reading of the Word? Have we not trusted God in the way that He requires us and commands us and pleads with us to trust Him this week? Have we, have we done those things or not done those things? Here we are. <laughs> the Lord has laid on Him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed. He was afflicted. He, yet He opened not His mouth. This is the sacrifice of Christ as He went to the cross as a lamb. Like a lamb. Like a sheep. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that is before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. And as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people, people did not know. Why would the, my Lord, the disciples even, why would he have to die? which he told them over and over that he was going to do. They did not know. They made his grave with the wicked as he was crucified between two sinful men. And in his death, although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth, and this is, this is baffling. Here is the love of God, the mercy of God that we see in the cross. It was the will or the desire of the Lord to crush him. I think that's Isaiah 10 or 53:10. He was put him to grief when his soul makes an offering for guilt. He shall see his offspring. That's us, by the way, because of his sacrifice. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand, and out of the anguish of his soul he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore I will divide him a portion with the many. He shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul to death, was numbered with the transgressors, yet he bore the sin of many, and he makes intercession for the transgressors. Oh, the beauty of the excellency of Christ's sacrifice and the reach. If you are a Christian to, here today, it's because God has reached down. And at the end of his reach is Christ. And so be thankful today. And by, just by way of quick application this morning as I close this out. And again, I wanted to go further today, but this time doesn't require it. We, we don't have it. We'll be there next week. But in closing, three quick applications. What do we do because of these things we hear today? 
Well, we worship. And it's not just on Sunday mornings, do we? We worship when we leave this place. 24-7, we worship. It is the love of Christ that compels us to do anything we do. And here's the thing. At the end of the day, I say this often. And the elders, mean they probably get tired of me saying this. We do, you do, what you want to do at the end of the day. So how do you know that what you're doing is coming from, I mean, it, it's, it's hard and it's difficult sometimes to, to preach because I don't know your heart. And you know your heart better than I do, but even you don't know your heart as good as the one who made your heart. But at the end of the day, we do what we want to do. And when we see this sacrifice by the Holy Spirit, praise God, by His grace, we worship. And we say, wow, great is the Lord. Number two, second application. We tell those. We live out our lives differently. And we give opportunities and we pray for boldness. And we tell those around us about this great sacrifice. Acts 4.12, there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And finally, third application, because of the sacrifice, the great sacrifice of our great high priest, the Son of God, we now offer ourselves 24-7. Romans 12, 1 and 2, familiar verses. Paul says, I appeal to you, and so I make an appeal to you as your pastor, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Holy, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. So we offer ourselves up as we leave this place in godliness, in faith, as we look unto Christ and trust Him. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God. And what is the will of God? It is our sanctification. That which is good and acceptable and perfect. So we no longer have to rely on a system with priests and the sacrifice of animals. When Jesus said it is finished and gave up his spirit and died on the cross, he secured our eternal redemption. And there is no longer anything left for us to do except offer ourselves up in service to him. Peter says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for these words this morning. And pray that you would help us as we conclude our time, knowing that we worship you 24-7. But may these words, just, just a few this morning, may we get one thing from this that might help us this afternoon and tomorrow and this week and whatever comes our way in this world. Father, because we are seated with Christ in the heavenly places and we are victorious. I pray that these words would help us this week in all of our roles as husbands and wives and fathers and children, grandparents and workers, whatever our roles are, that we might, that we might be godly and offer ourselves up to you. Thank you for such a great sacrifice. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Thank you for listening to the Grace Baptist Church podcast. You can listen to past sermons at podbean.com. Search Grace Baptist Church, China Grove to find us. You can also find us on Apple Podcast. Search Grace Baptist Church, China Grove. You can also join us at the South Rowan YMCA, 950 Kimball Road, China Grove, North Carolina. We meet on Sunday mornings at 930 for fellowship and service starts at 10. Thank you for listening and remember to be intentional in making disciples this week.